Hey. Hey. What's going on? Not much. What's going on with you? Sitting here, recording Star Trek podcast. Yeah? What's the Star Trek podcast called this week? Don't know yet. That's a stupid name for a podcast. We still, oh. don't, we still don't have a name. No. We're still working on it. Nobody likes my name, apparently, because they like this really, really bad name. But I have been taking votes and opinions on various names for the show, one of which is Richard's, yes. uh, one of which is mine. Haven't come to a decision yet. We'll get there eventually. Someday. But I'll just be on named Star Trek podcast. Does it really matter if the show doesn't have a title? I'm not really sure, actually. Because, I mean, they can say like, oh, yeah, did you listen to that Star Trek podcast? And they'll be like, what one? And they'll be like, you know, that one. And they'll be like, oh, yeah, I love that one. And they'll be like, yeah, it's really good. I listen to it every week. You should listen to it. So they're like, yeah, I actually already do. That's how I know it's really good. And, you know, then they'll be like, okay, well, that's cool. You know, want to get a burger? And then, you know, then they'll get married. And the hell of it is that will never happen because by the time this is actually released, it will have a name. Oh. So. But they won't know the name by this point, you know, because we're still not saying it. Oh, no, they'll know the name. I mean, it'll have the name. What if they forget about it? What if we get a very long one that only, like, geeks would, you know, know, for example, just saying, you know, not that that's one of the options on the table. Like, you want to use the entire text of the Federation Charter, for example? There's a Federation Charter? Probably. I would say, I'm sure that people know it. I'm sure that if we start getting emails for the show on the show, somebody will email us, us the text of the Foundation Charter. I wish that people would not do that. In what fact, in the course of Federation? It is Federation. Like that? Don't email us. Like, just don't do it. Yeah, we don't want to hear from you. I don't want to hear your emails. I don't want to read them. You don't even care. I don't want to see them. This is just going to stay on Eric's hard drive, and that's going to be the end of this project. And then, you know, like 40 years from now, they'll be, like, cleaning out his hard drive, and, you know, they'll be like, I didn't know that Dad had a podcast. And, you know, it'll be too late, but they'll have felt closer to you. I like getting tweets. Okay. You know, it's interesting. I feel the way about getting tweets added at me i used to feel that way about email yeah i don't feel that way about email anymore no because what email does anyone ever send anymore when i get an email i'm like jesus christ an email now i gotta think about this and read it and deal with it and am i gonna respond am i not gonna respond do i archive it do i delete it see no i have the opposite problem all my emails i just got one that's like your weekly mix from ticket web here's concerts you don't want to see because like i bought modest mouse tickets at some point through there oh i'm sick of all that stuff i just spam it all i do but i keep getting more it's like you know rats yeah maybe it's like the the do not call list where you tell them to take you off the do not to put add you on the do not call list and they actually just go oh this is a real number and they call you more yeah that might be what these spam buttons do i really don't know I don't even know, but, you know, email. Remember what it was the wave of the future? I'm just going to go live in a cabin in the woods and have a satellite uplink. That would be okay. And I'm just going to upload an episode of this podcast every week, and the rest of the time I'm going to sit on the porch in a rocking chair and drink coffee and bourbon. You have to whittle. With a shotgun. Are you whittling? Why aren't you whittling? I have two hands, Richard. I can whittle and drink coffee. At the same no, you time. can't because whittling is a two-hand job. You use one hand to hold the knife and the not, other to hold the whittler. Not if I use a vice. And how, what's, what are you holding the vice with? Do you not know what a vice is? Uh, yeah, like smoking, drinking, gambling. They have vices that you can attach to tables or other flat objects. Well, yeah, I've smoked, drink, and gambled on tables. Anyway, so this is episode three of this podcast. Already episode three only? Already. <laughs> 
Feels like a long time. Yep, just like we're, Bunheads. We're moving along. Oh, Bunheads. We have now, we now have as many episodes as the as of the time of this recording as Bunheads has shows. Yeah, I think so. You know, uh, maybe we'll take like a five or ten minute at the end and just talk about Bunheads. That would be a great idea. We'll do we'll do we'll do a, a mini Bunheads podcast within the larger Star Trek podcast. Your Emily Gilmore moment of the week. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm already thinking about what we're going to do after we finish all of Star Trek because obviously we're going to do that because we're still going to be doing this in seven years. Seven years, you said? Uh huh. Okay. Uh, I got some ideas. I have an idea. What? I would like to do Babylon 5. We could do Babylon 5. In seven years. So we'll, we'll be, I'll be, what, 36? There haven't been that many good Babylon 5 podcasts. There was Then why one... did we start a Star Trek one? Why don't we just move to Babylon 5 then? Well, because I don't really feel like doing that right yeah, now. Yeah, but we, I could help you with the name with that. It'll be called Franklin Sucks, the podcast. Coming up with a name for the podcast is not the important thing. What is then? I don't know drugs talking about how much franklin sucks because franklin sucks oh no franklin does suck i agree with you he's a horrible person oh god i'm gonna go on walkabout all the stems oh boy and then he doesn't die also he's black that's not why i hate him it is richard hates franklin primarily because he is black but I love, he's told me this when we're not recording well then i don't think you should you know maybe that was something i told you in confidence Eric, my past as a racist Are is something married? I don't like to talk about that much. Are we in a courtroom? I don't think so. We were at the time. Eric, at the time, I was sitting on your couch and I thought that was a therapy session. And I thought we had like patient therapy confidentiality. I sent you a bill. You didn't pay it. Well, I haven't paid any of the medical bills I've gotten in the past year and a half, but they still perform surgery. Well, there you go. I don't get paid. I sell your secrets to the highest bidder. It's just how it works. I have rent. And how pay. much did you get offered for that secret? Hey, like fifty bucks. But look, yeah, that was worth fifty. Bucks. I was I was able to buy a few books with that. Hey, I will totally tell your secrets for even forty. Hmm. Yeah. That's sad that my secrets are worth less than your secrets are to me. No, I just get usually get paid less than you. Oh, uh, that's true. So what are we talking about this week, Richard? Uh, Star Trek. Well, I have to say, I've been enjoying watching them more and more. See? I knew that was going to happen. I I look forward every week to watching the two episodes now. Yeah, it's turning into a good show, isn't it? It doesn't make me consider throwing up anymore. That's nice. I haven't had the desire to possibly grab the knife just in case. But you haven't hated any of these episodes. I hated the, uh, the, 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 the psychic one. Oh, uh, we're not I hated Charlie before. X. I, I think I might hate psychics on this show. Yeah, no, what, Star Trek doesn't do psychics well, and I don't think Star Trek ever does do psychics well. Unlike Babylon 5, which does psychics really well. One of the most annoying characters on The Next Generation. Well, she's not psychic, but she's empathic, and you know who I'm talking about, because you've seen a few episodes of The Next Generation. Here yeah, I know, Miss I Sense Anger. Right, Miss Catsuit. So, yeah. But all right. Well, that's good that you're liking it. I think that's great. Yeah. Um, I don't know. The two episodes that I saw this week were both fun and amused me. And now we got a lot of Sulu action, which I am totally all about. Yeah. So the first episode we watched this week is The Naked Time. Yeah. And this is a fairly famous episode for several reasons. Uh, because it has the word naked in it's the It's actually, well, yeah. It's I thought sexy. we were going to see William Shatner naked, and we did not. 
I was very unhappy. It was network television in the mid-60s. We're not going to see anybody naked in this show. But I think we should. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Do I want to see anybody naked? You know, I, I would see McCoy. McCoy naked. Yeah. Scotty? If Scotty said, you know... I don't want to see McCoy naked. Okay. Don't ever... Do not send me pictures. Spock? What about Spock? Eh, Leonard Nimoy's never really done it for me. Yehura? I would see Yehura naked. Oh, yeah. I bet she looks good naked. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a scene, and I don't remember which episode with where it's on, but she's standing like... At a side view, at the view that shows of her legs and her kicking miniskirt the best, and just like idly on the computer, and it's like, yeah, she happened to pick the sexiest pose because she has a nice set of legs. I mean, she's got gams, but yeah. I don't think that was her. That was probably the director. Oh, I'm just saying. I don't no, know, but, for sure, no, but no, I think I recognize what Nichelle Nichols looks like. <laughs> don't give up your day job. I so. Love- the Naked Time is a, a semi-famous episode. Uh, it's very early, actually, and it's probably one of the... I think it's probably the first good episode of Star Trek. Okay, um, I can agree with that. Basically, the plot of the episode involves the ship going to a planet where there's a science team who have all died. They get contracted by some weird illness that this guy picks up and comes back to the Enterprise... And it turns out that everybody goes nuts and they act drunk. And it involves people taking their clothes off and crying and blah, blah, blah. And then at the end of it, McCoy finds an antidote and everyone is happy again. See, I have to say, I've been drunk before and I've never seen anyone that bad when they were drunk. I think that... I think this was their acid episode. Well, I think it's... I think it's supposed... Well, no, it's more lucid than acid. I think it's supposed to be a exaggerated of course you know either that or alcohol technology has just really improved in the past you know in the next few hundred years so like you have a shot and then you just act like that it's great which brings up another question i had in the in the second episode we watched this weekend the the enemy within uh which is why does dr mccoy keep a, a liquor cabinet i exactly i wrote that exactly down i'm like why yeah in his personal quarters yeah sure but is it is it medical brandy I mean, I guess it is, but, well, but if if it were, they wouldn't keep it in a gigantic like decanter where you know you can which is locked, by the way. Yeah, and even the captain doesn't have a key to it. Well, it's because, very strange. Well, again, if alcohol technology is improved, it could be a deadly weapon. In it, the it's 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 little things like that that make you remember that the show was on in the mid '60s, almost 50 years ago. Because I'm sure that a lot of these things culturally and socially made sense to people back then and now we're just like i don't understand anything about what this is supposed to mean or why this is happening well if you take mad men as anything accurate there you know all the characters have liquor cabinets in their you know personal quarters i mean i can see i i I, given that kind of environment i can picture a doctor pouring a shot of you know brandy to a patient that he's about to tell some very bad news to you know yeah or even just it goes into that whole you know uh western you know sci-fi western aspect where the doctor always had liquor because that's all he had you know drink this and now i'm gonna amputate your arm that kind of thing um yeah so the episode you know it's it's i always have a bad impression of this episode and the reason is because of the horrible Next Generation homage to this episode called The Naked Now, which we will get to at some point, obviously. And that episode is just 
horrible. Like, I can't even describe to you how bad it is. And you will watch it and you will want to kill me. Okay. Um, when we get there in four years. I kind of want to watch it now just to see. No, 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 don't. Okay. Just then. wait. Okay. Wait. Um, but yeah, no, this episode is pretty good. I don't know. What did you think about it? I liked it except for the last five minutes, which we'll get to when, you know, at the end of this. But I thought this was a fine episode. At this point, they've started to establish who the characters are. So having them act in these weird ways now makes sense. You know what I mean? I, if, if Well, see, that's I had a different take on that. Really? This episode always strikes me as the episode that uh, tries to shortcut the character development. Like, it tries to tell you more about the characters very quickly. Um, and I'm backed up in this because apparently I looked this up, and that is the exact reason why the script was written. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So, go into that further, right? Because it seems like you know a little more about that than I do. At well, the basically, the idea, the, the idea behind the script for this episode is, is, is just that, what I just said, they wanted to establish the characters as quickly as possible and their motivations and their sort of like hidden desires. And so instead of spinning this out over a whole season or whatever, you would just get it quickly. So in this episode, you find out more about Sulu. He's kind of a swashbuckler. I think at one point Spock calls him what? I I have it written down. Uh, Sulu at his heart is a swashbuckler of your 18th century. Yes. Yes. Now, Now I have to say, so... I didn't know it since this show has... Which is fine that they didn't say Samurai, by the way, (laughs) for various reasons, but anyway. Since this show has, you know, aired, obviously, in the past, you know, several years, you know, George Takei has come out. And I didn't want to watch this show with the, you know, theme of, well, Sulu's gay, he's playing him as gay, you know, that wouldn't have been necessarily written in the the 60s, it wouldn't have, you know... It wouldn't be out of character given George Takei's sense of humor that he has about himself. His image is poking fun of his own image in a way, as, you know, most of the actors have found, you know, success in doing. But so it would be in his character. Except the dead ones. Well, of course. But uh, uh, the thing is, watching this episode, I can't see that as – I can't see Sulu as anything as being played very gay in this episode. You, you have to explain I have this to, to explain this because – okay. I'm not getting Sulu's very first scene, he comes out with a hot younger dude and he's telling him all these interests that the younger dude should start following. Like he's teaching him how to fence and uh, he's saying, yeah, last week it was botany. So he obviously has this relationship with this guy. The second they both get infected... The They're second, friends. The second Sulu gets infected by this, uh, you know, virus, he leans over to the guy and he says, Boy, I'm all sweaty. Let's go to the gym. And he runs off like a gleeful little... I, I'm sorry. The last time a sweaty dude asked me to, you know, meet him in the gym, I had to shower before and after. That's just, that's just good heterosexual male bonding and role play. I mean, that's all that is. Oh, also he Dude's says he's. To the gym also, he says he describes himself as quote sweating like a bridegroom. Yeah, and then the next, and then Sulu in his delirium state comes out half. He didn't naked. say that he was sweating like a bride. He said sweating like a bridegroom. He comes out half naked, holding a foil. No, no, you're, no, I'm not letting. I'm not letting this one go. I'm, you have to. You have to explain this to me because bride and bridegroom are two very different things. Yeah, well, if there's a bridegroom, the bride has to be the other guy that he just invited to the gym. What? Yeah, I. I think it's very. It's very. It's not a stretch to infer a kind of mentor-disciple relationship between the two, and it's not out of it's not out of left field to watch the episode 
assuming that they have some kind of relationship going on. I am convinced. See, no, of this. because this is how we, you could say the same thing about Kirk and Spock, and that is how no, you, slash fiction got started, and they are not sleeping together. <laughs> this is what you want to see, and the only I swear to God, if if what's his name, the guy, the actor, I can't remember his name because I'm getting old. Which one? Takei. Ch- George yeah, Takei. If George Takei was not gay, you would not be seeing any of this. No. I, and I agree with that. At this, And maybe as written, I'm saying as played, given his chins of you. No, no, no. That's exactly what I'm saying. A parallel universe where George Takei is straight, with married to a woman. And then the performance much, would be extremely different. Has, has kids, like... Gay, you know, not gay at all. This exact acting choice, this exact written and played to you, but he wouldn't have would played it the same if it was. So, so you're saying then? You're I'm saying, saying a lot of it is in gay actors act differently, even though if they're the method, role has yeah. nothing to do with being gay. But so I, gay gay actors cannot play straight characters, and in, in your estimation, that's what you're saying. Okay, so what about when the hot younger guy, you know, makes the declaration that women should not be made up, and he talks about how he doesn't want, you know, women having, you know, these fancy hairstyles on the ship. He doesn't care about pretty women. Not necessarily. I know many straight men that don't like their women made up to be like look like whores. Hey, and on the show, we've seen women made up to look like whores. They wear makeup. Yeah, so they kind of wear a lot of makeup. Look, I'm just building the very beginnings of the case here. I'm okay, not keep saying going, keep going. I am. Keep going. This is going. I'm not saying that you know this entire episode proves everything you need to know. This is just the resonances I am seeing in one episode. Mm-hmm. I don't buy it. I'm gonna uh, no. I I think I I'm going to find the Sulu could be gay moments in every episode that Sulu is don't in. Don't buy it. Don't buy it. Whatever. Well, that's fine. In in four years, when we're done with this series, we'll uh we'll talk about it. You do what you need to do. I'm gonna do what I need to do. When we get to Star Trek Six, and he's sitting on the bridge of the Excelsior drinking tea, you're gonna be. That's it. Well, only gay guys drink tea. Eric, do you drink tea? Very occasionally. There you go. Co- but I'm more of a coffee man. Exactly. That that's exactly what I'm saying. Well, your position is clear. My position is you are wrong. That's that's my position right here. Okay. Um what I did like about the episode was there are a lot of I don't know the characters kind of have a few sayings that in or lines in the episode that just kind of show the themes of the of the series or, you know, the characters themselves mm-hmm. to be you know, in very in a very succinct, succinct way. Like at one point, uh, you know, Spock says space still has many infinite unknowns. That's kind of the theme of the entire series, right there. We're gonna find something in every single episode, and I thought that was a nice way of saying it. Later, uh, you know, Kirk says, you know, I want the impossible checked out too. That's Kirk right there. I liked that. And if you're talking about the episode as exemplifying who the characters are, I can definitely see that there. The interesting thing about that line, though, is that uh, the impossible was supposed to be a secret deck at the bottom of the ship. Oh, okay. but it was written out of the script. That's actually very interesting. Well, I thought you, it was you know, confusing. They hadn't, they hadn't made the schematics of the, you know. Now, no, now no. you can see, and you know, right. But that's it. No, I think that's an interesting point, and I, I, I had it in my notes for this episode uh, where you can really see Star Trek as a mystery in, in this episode. In most you know, of the episodes, because actually. a lot of the episodes of Star Trek are. are 
structured as mysteries. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're you know they're structured as a lot of different genres of television and, and filmmaking, but they all have a very basic mystery plot structure. Right? Here's, here's something bad is happening. We don't know what it is. We're going to investigate. We found out what it is. Now we catch at the end. I mean, yeah. That- and you'll see that in, in, in the next episode as well, The Enemy Within. We'll talk about that a little bit more. But I, I think in that episode, it's also sort of a mystery. But I like the way that it subverts your expectations for what a mystery episode should be. But but we can get to that after we're finished up with The Naked Time. There was one other moment that I liked very much in the episode. Um, so you have this one guy who's on the... Uh, you have Sulu's younger boyfriend is taking over the ship because he's crazy. And he was just kind of like singing and babbling over the intercom and... You know, Kirk goes to her and he's, she's, you know, he's like, you know, why haven't you, why can't you shut him off? Shut him off. And she, you know, just kind of snaps at him, you know, if I'd done, if I could have, don't you think I would have? And the two of them are about to start screaming at each other and they just kind of like look at each other for a second and she goes, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. And he's like, you know, that's okay. And they basically have a, they realize at that moment, you know, they're both frustrated at the same thing and you know that's they're not mad at each other i thought that was actually a really nice moment of because it shows the you know a, a respectfulness between the two you know they they have enough respect for each other's abilities and as people to retin to not want the fight yeah and that's something that you see a lot in 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 this show is they're they everybody has a really good working relationship with one another yeah. but they're also they're also friends and so yeah they have that personal relationship. They also have this professional relationship and they all just work very well together. And you get the sense that they all respect one another and respect their abilities. I mean, there's no real question of any one of the characters on the show not being good at their job. Uh, Oh yeah. We are to assume that each named character is the best in his or her field at that point. Yeah. I mean, there's even that interesting line where uh, I forget the character's name, uh, the Irish guy who, who takes over engineering, um, where he's the one of the, I think the second character to start exhibiting signs of, of this virus or whatever it is. It's never really explained at the end of the episode. They, they give some hand waving explanation about how it's like a long chain, uh, water molecule or something, which, yeah. you know, okay, whatever. Um, hand waving, you know, techno babble. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, you know, but uh, he gets sick and they send him to sick bay and, uh, Spock, I think Spock tells Uhura to jump in and, and take over his, his station, you know, or, or was it Uhura or was it someone else? But there's a moment where, and I thought this was in the other episode, but I'm not sure where somebody, t- uh, where, uh, where Kirk actually tells, uh, Yeoman Rand to take the helm at one point. That was in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, you know, it, you know, number one, she's just the one that's closest, but I mean, the fact that he trusts her to just, all right, this is five minutes, do this. You yeah. know, that's, that was a very, that was significant too yeah and i think that really that really highlights the the weird gender politics of the original series because on the one hand you have the characters on screen uh, uh in their actions uh, sh- being shown to implicitly trust the judgment and abilities of of anybody no matter what their their gender is man or woman mm-hmm. um you know they just turn to the nearest person and say okay take over the station i don't care who you are yeah um but on the other hand some of the characters are saying things out loud that almost as a, I, I think almost as a proxy for either what the writer is feeling or what the writer's room is feeling or, you know, what the sense in the culture was. Because in that scene where, you know, Irish McGee um, goes crazy and they tell him to leave, you know, he says something about, oh, yes, you know, let the women work, too. Yeah. Um, universal suffrage, which it's it's. To have the crazy character say that as a sign of craziness 
what does that say about that sentiment? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that's it's something that they do a lot in this show. Um, and it's something that I never really get comfortable with. Yeah, because while we, you know, to you and me, you know, and to most people in, in today's day and age, you know, universal suffrage is, you know, votes for women is, you know, women working. That's a given. That's how it should be. And, you know. Yeah, because sh- it's like they, they, they implicitly trust the judgment and abilities of all the yeah. female characters on the ship. But at the same yeah. time, they're all running around in miniskirts. Of so yeah. you kind of have to take that with a grain of salt, I think. Um, oh, God, like the man trap. Oh, God. <laughs> so, either way, yeah, th- 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 that's... I, I I don't know if it's a... It may just be a function of society hadn't figure out, you know, gender politics at that point. While Gene Roddenberry had a specific vision, he was, you know, trapped in his time. He was a product of his time. So even if as forward-thinking as he was, he couldn't predict exactly where things would go. Yeah, absolutely. Things that he never even thought about, you know? It may not be any more complicated than, you know, well, Gina Shell Nichols has really nice legs. So, you know, why not? You know, uh, let's let's put that on TV. That's something viewers want to see and not even thinking any further than that. And I mean, let's not forget, too, that that, you know, at that time, miniskirts were pretty risque. Yeah. And, you know, we're definitely on the the, the cutting edge of fashion. But I would say very still very fashionable and still very. It was a sign of being, you know, cosmopolitan. I mean, I think it would have been, it would have, it would have said something. The fact that they're in miniskirts is saying something about 1960s gender politics. But if they had dressed them in, you know, sort of like these long pioneer women gowns instead, that also would have said something about gender politics in the mid 1960s. But it would have said something different about gender politics. Or for that matter, if they put them all in pants, like number one from the yeah, pilot. If they pretty much had the same uniform, yeah. Because, you know, if you remember from the cage, yes. number one is the female in, in, in second in command of the Enterprise and she's wearing pants. Yeah. I think that's interesting. And then, of course, in this episode, I don't know if you noticed, but uh, Majol Barrett comes back this time as a recurring character who you will see in many episodes uh, going forward as as Nurse Chapel, Christine Chapel. Yeah. And suddenly she's wearing a miniskirt. <laughs> she's got this blonde done up hair. She's still capable. She's a sexy nurse. Yeah. She's still yeah, exactly. She's still capable and she's still very knowledgeable, but she's a sexy nurse. So yeah. it kind of shows you where the comfort level is in the culture, in the network. Who it can really say? It also says who the audience is because, uh, I mean, this show is 100%. Then it's taken for granted that this is show is going to be watched by men in a way because, you know, then it's fine to have a capable female character, but you also want her pretty and easy on the eyes. Well, yeah, I think that does say something about that. I mean, the, the expectation, of course, is that, that men and women are watching this show. Of course. And in fact, um, at least one of the writers for star trek was a woman so dc fontana which is interesting because of course this was still in the time where women were using their initials instead of right exactly so and i don't know she didn't write this episode i don't think okay um but that is all you know there's also that tension there between what the men want to see and what the women audience wants to see. At the same time, I don't feel that the show goes out of its way to objectify any of the women. You know, again, it's it certainly invites us to, you know... Well, except for the Orion slave girls. Well, of course, which we haven't really gotten to, except in that, in the pilot, was it? Uh, I'll, I'll hold my judgment on that till I see more, but... Uh, 
I'd love to see more. Um, no, you know, again, while while the female characters are to be appreciated, you know, it's it they don't want it lost on us that uh, you know Yeoman Rand is very pretty. You know, that that doesn't take from the fact that you know she is still has her job and she's good her her job. You know, it's it's attempting to give give both to that. Yeah, yeah. And let's let's face it, the show. Doesn't exactly hide the fact that William Shatner wasn't was you know pretty attractive in his day. You know he's shirtless a lot. There's a major scene where you know Sulu is half naked. You know in a bit. I I don't think that we're not supposed to you know appreciate that if we're into it either. Yeah, there's a funny there's a funny story about that. Apparently the director of the episode had come to Sulu's. Um, I keep calling them by their character names. George Takei's trailer and, and and said, "Oh, take your shirt off. You know I want to see if we're going to do this uh, yeah. this scene shirtless or not." And uh, it turns out, of course, they did. Uh, and, Which, uh, given the state of his body at the time, was the, was the right choice. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, George Takei uh, says that he spent the next three days before shooting that scene, like, constantly doing push-ups. <laughs> like, that was really going to make a difference in three days. Well, but, actually, no, because I read that if you do work out, your muscles then do swell a little more than they normally do. So if mm. you are in a state of constant, you know, working out, your muscles will be a bit swollen. It's... You know, if you take a rest, they'll go down, but, you know, for hours afterwards. So that wasn't a bad choice of his. Well, that just sounds exhausting. Yeah, we we don't exercise, though. (laughs) So I'm fine with all of this episode till this point, and then the last five minutes, it completely, I have no idea what the fuck happened. So, like, because I expected the end of this episode to be, you know, McCoy, Spock, and Kirk on the bridge and talking about, you know... And we have these emotions that we repress and, you know, society and all. And there's, like, about five different ways you could write that ending, you know, little exchange. But I think you can picture it all. So they're doing something. They have some reason to get off of this planet. They do some more orthodox thing. And then suddenly they're going back in time. So at this point in the universe, it, does time travel exist? Because yeah. they've been, I can't tell if they just invented time travel or not in this episode. And the thing is, if this were a, you know, 2000s era show, this would be a very significant moment that just happened to happen, you know. By sheer coincidence, they invented time travel, and now things will never be the same, and this is like five or six episodes in, so it's at the point when the stasis can change, time travel would be a very disruption to this universe, and the rest of the series could be finally their plan, you know, if Joss Whedon were writing it, that that would be where that was going, but it's since this thing that tacks on to the end, and I have no idea what they do with it. It just I, came out of nowhere. To me. I agree with you, but yeah, I need to hear the Trekkie explanation and where this fits in. You have to look at this from the point of, you, you you can't watch this show from the point of view of someone who is watching 21st century. Well, television. that's exactly what I'm saying. Like if I were watching it with that point of view, I'd say, okay, well, this five minutes isn't just a non sequitur it's It's, they're setting up a thing for later on as written as the show is it's just it comes out of nowhere it affects nothing else in the plot it is important i will i will say that i mean because it's the introduction of the idea of time travel to the star trek franchise which is something that they go back to again and again is this the First That's, time that they invent time travel, you know, I, I just mean, think there could have been a much if they need and yeah, they need to, you know, 
because in, the thing introduce is, this the is idea a, that time travel is possible in this universe. The, you just need to let this one go because yeah. this is a this is not a serialized show. Uh-huh. This is an anthology. You can watch it in yeah. any order, basically. I mean, little things here and there. So then, but, introducing us the last five minutes of an otherwise unrelated episode in an anthology series is a bad idea too. I think that they were just trying to go for this idea of this is a really, really fucking dangerous thing we just did. We don't know what the, we didn't know what the consequences of it were. And yeah, we just went back in time three days and you're not really supposed to take it any further than that. It was weird to me. I found, and I didn't like it. I mean, you're just not, you're just going to have to let that one go. Again, it's, it, it made no sense from a, and I guess it was one of those things that, it is something that they it is something that they go back to in, in later in later episodes and even in later movies. I mean, this whole you know time warp thing, slingshot around the sun, is what they do in Star Trek Four. And I've, and I've um, seen they I've, they, they yeah. do go back in time in a later episode in this season uh, to the 1960s. So they do yeah, use like, it again. Okay. It does come up again, but you know, no, it's not it's not the equivalent of, um, you know, some breaking bad thing that they set up five episodes ago. And now you're supposed to go, Holy shit. Yeah. It seemed like, again, it's watching with now it's, I, I, if a show now were to do that, that would be a plot twist here. It's just kind of another thing. Yeah. Which I thought was, I don't know. It, 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 what's one of those that highlights the difference in television. And you're, and you're seeing your, one of the things that you're seeing in these early episodes, of course, is that, uh, television was a lot more relaxed in some respects, you know, because there was no internet. There, there were no DDRs. There were no VCRs. Like they showed this episode once, maybe twice. If you didn't catch it, you never saw it. Yeah. You could, they, they could not construct television to presume knowledge of previous episodes. And so little things like this, you just have to kind of go, well, all right, that was that, and and go on with your life. I did. That's pretty I, much bye. it. I mean, that's, you know, that's the answer. No, I know. That, yeah. Again, that's how I figured it would be. Yeah. And, of course, it's also one of those TV shows where if previous information is needed, they will yeah. recap it, you know, in, in, in dialogue. So, Yeah, I figure that when there is an episode where they have to time travel – they probably introduce it with nothing more complex than, oh, that's in the past. Well, we'll have to travel to time to get to it, you know, and from that we understand that they can. Yeah. And I mean, also, I think, you know, a lot of this has to do with the sort of idea that, you know, shows nowadays, you know, need these huge Bibles before they're even, yeah. uh, before the first shot is 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 committed to film and, you know, uh, everything needs to be ironed out, the motivations of the characters. You need to have this whole world-building thing that a lot of uh, TV creators do now. And that just wasn't the case back then. I yeah. Mean, it they still don't know who they work for, what kind of government it is, where the other ships, what kind of society do these people live in? You know, where does the food come from? How did the trans... They don't know any of this stuff. Oh, yeah, there was that... There was a one scene where he... Someone puts, like... It looks like a cassette into, like, a TV, and then it, like, opens up, and it's dinner. So is that, like, their, like, ID card that they swipe to get their meal, or is that, like, the pro... Like, it's weird. I don't know. I don't know. Just future microwaves. Your guess is as good as mine. I I mean, people will say that those are replicators. Those are not replicators. Do not listen to those people. There was no replicator technology in the 23rd century. I wasn't ever going to say that or suggest anything to that effect. Well, I would certainly hope not. Because I, I know better. 
So I guess the last thing to talk about in this episode then is Spock. Oh, yeah. I did write a bit down about Spock. I figured this is your area of expertise. I had forgotten about this scene. And it really... It's 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 strange because from a first-time viewer's perspective, I can see this scene completely dragging the episode down. It just kind of makes the episode stop. Uh, and, and this is particular. Uh, Spock contracts a virus or whatever yeah. it is and starts crying and talking about, well, you know, how he um, is conflicted about his emotions and, uh, you know, when, talk, talking to Kirk. and I think the... Uh, circumstances of how he gets infected are important too, though. Well, go ahead. Okay. Well, uh, the nurse at one, you know, has this virus and she goes up to him and, you know, she's saying, you know, I've been in love with you this whole time. And which is very interesting considering that the same actress had the Spock role in the pilot. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, at, you know, she like touches his face or something like that and infects him. And he actually seems to, like put it together that something has been communicated some he's communicated some kind of disease at that point like he just it clicks for him but you know and you know she's just confessing this love to him and he almost seems you know he's saying like I can't do that you know I'm you know I'm sorry you know I just don't feel that way but that's when he starts fighting to you know he's very obviously holding that back and fighting against it and the rest of the episode has given several minutes to several hours between contraction and, you know, signs of symptoms. The fact that he seems to be feeling these emotions pretty much just right away either implies that, one, it, you know, Vulcans contract this virus faster, or two, that it's not the virus that's making him lose control completely. Well, no, it is the, it is the virus that's making him lose control completely. I think wh- what I took from that is... Vulcans uh, Vulcans are not well established at this point in the series. Yeah. And in fact the 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 uh the fact that Nurse Chapel um said that he was half human is also new information. Um so so now we know that Spock is 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 not full alien. Yeah. He's half human, right? So it, I mean, duh, I watched the 2009 movie. I mean, come on. I know that. Everyone knows that. Oh, well, look at you. Aren't you just smart? Yeah, his mother was Winona Ryder. So the idea here, I think, more is that Vulcans lose control of their emotions much more readily under these circumstances because they are there and they are repressing them. Mm -hmm. And so humans have learned how to control their emotions sort of as a surfer, right? Like... We feel emotions. We let them yeah. wash over us. You're having a bad day at work. Well, you just suck it up and do it. Right. But, but one of the ways that we mature is we do feel yeah. these emotions, but we, we learn how not to let them control us. Because you have years of experience just dealing with it if you... Okay. Right. Whereas Vulcans don't do that. They very actively attempt to repress all emotion. So Vulcans have emotions. It's just cult- it's just a complete cultural thing. That means that they don't have right. Express okay. And and the implication that you'll find later on in the show and in the series, you know, the whole franchise is that Vulcans actually have stronger emotions than humans. And one of the reasons why they developed this philosophy was because they were just destroying themselves. Basically, okay. you know, they they had such horrible wars and you know all these kind of things. Huh. Um, that they had to come up with something to 
stop it basically and this was and this was just kind of like the total like stoic to the hundredth degree just no emotion we don't feel them we don't acknowledge them you know they're they're so buried beneath the the surface so which is a very different philosophy of emotional emotional expression than i personally believe in but right and that's what makes and that's what makes the vulcans so interesting right and that's what makes them so alien i mean i think that the vulcans you know there are there are only a few alien species in star trek that i i I feel are are extremely well developed and and the vulcans are one of them well i guess it's no it's to me it's i don't think emotions are this universal force that's separate i think emotions and are an expression of culture personally like I think a culture which suppresses emotion effectively has no emotions. Emotions cannot exist in that society, because you look through different, you know, cult- cultural writings and you find a different, completely different series of emotions being expressed. Yeah, yeah. I I almost wonder if you know, emotions outside of that context are impossible to, or at least not gone to often enough and until other forms of expression exist you know? well because you you feel emotion but you don't know what they are and yeah they don't really understand what they're feeling yeah and, and so and of course that's you know this is science fiction you can make up a society where that's you know emotions are a separate force and of course the other thing you have to remember too is that you know spock is half human and so his mother is human and so who knows what she taught him yeah. and you know he's always fighting with this other half others half of him because uh, you know, it's never it's never really explained. Like, it, 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 there there seems to be some sort of biological component to the Vulcans being able to repress their emotions like this. Um, there's a much later episode in the Next Generation where uh, Spock's father actually comes to visit the the ship and um, is crying and and showing emotion, and it turns out that he has a, a disease. That okay. is sort of like kind of like Alzheimer's that is causing him to lose control of his emotions. And, you know, whether or not it's actually a biological thing or whether it's uh, more a breakdown of his brain functions, it's, yeah. you know, higher, higher functions of, of, of emotional control that. Uh, well, I are, mean, we as people know what it's like to hold down extreme emotions. It is uh, mental effort in a way. So if, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But but all of this is sort of just a just yeah. a, a prelude to, you know, the idea of. Um, this is really where sort of the Spock Kirk friendship comes into play. And there's that, that great line in the episode where, you know, Spock says, when I feel friendship for you, I I feel ashamed, you know, and you're sort of like, Oh, this is really weird. I mean, you know, this is, I think that's the most alien of the, you know, five episodes that we watched so far. Yeah. Um, just the idea that you would feel friendship for someone and, and, and feel embarrassed about it. It's just so bizarre to us. Um, and it really, I kind of think that was the episode where sort of Spock comes into his own and crystallizes yeah. and you really understand a lot of his motivations. So I have to say, like, I didn't think the scene broke the ep- uh, scene, dragged the episode down, but mostly because that scene where he's having the breakdown in the hallway, hallway is Leonard Nimoy acting the shit out of that scene. Like, and... And would you like to know something amazing about that? What? That was unscripted. I was about to say, it looks like it just said, like, Spock has a breakdown or whatever in the script and you just kind of went with it yeah there was there actually supposed to be a a completely different scene and uh leonard nimoy was like no i want something meatier for for spock and and that's what he came up with yeah the the original the original scene was something like oh someone paints a goofy mustache on spock or something (laughs) no i'm serious like that was it and 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 instead leonard nimoy's like no i want to do this thing like no i'm a really good actor let me do that and so this is what i'm going to do they had time to do one take 
unscripted, wow. and he just like killed it. Yeah, because so. you see him repressing it, going into this emotion, and you see him going into about six emotions at once. It was a very well done piece. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot in this episode that um, I think this is probably the purest, the purest distillation yet of what Star Trek is. So, so so far, I've had a, the you wanted to show one Star Trek episode. This is so far the best candidate. Yeah, yeah. The ones that we've watched definitely not Tribbles. I love Tribbles. We'll get to the Tribbles. I think Tribbles is the best Star Trek episode. Don't ever. worry, we'll get to it. Out of all of the episodes of any Star Trek in the franchise, Tribbles is the best. I think it's the problem. It's it's probably the best Star Trek comedy episode. I'll give you that. Fair. So, how many Tribbles would you give this episode? I would give this a four. This is a four Tribble episode. Just four. I didn't like that ending. Wow, you really didn't like that I ending. I really pissed me off. I'm gonna give it a seven. Oh, wait, this is out of 10? I thought it was out of 5. No, it's out of 10. Oh. Or was it out of 5? I don't know. I'm going to say it's out of 10. It's 4 out of 5 triples. Okay. That's more like a 9 out of 10 or an 8.5? It's 8 out of 10. We need to decide. Are we if doing you a do ma- If you have out five of point 5, scale? then you just double everything to get out of 10. So it's 8 out of 10 triples. We're doing a 10-point scale. Okay. Then 8 out of 10 triples. Okay, I'll give it a 7. Okay. So you were a little... I was a little more harsh on it than you. Well, maybe a 7.5. Then again, I know it's coming, so... Okay. That that maybe yeah yeah that's true. All right, so the the second episode that we watched this week is the Enemy Within. Okay, which Sulu begins holding a little foo-foo dog and describing the atmosphere as nippy, and he makes quips during the entire episode. At one point, he huddles under a rainbow-colored blanket with two other men. That was not rainbow-colored. It was many different colors. It looked rainbow to me. It was a it was like a a, a thermal blanket that was reflecting light. He's just making all these really gay-seeming witticisms the entire time. Like, he's kind of... I, I actually... I know it's serious because he's freezing to death in this episode, but any time it cut to him, I just laughed. He was... Gr- I like Sulu. All right. He's great. I liked this episode kind of a lot. I like the unicorn dog. I love that it's just like a dog with like pipe cleaners and bits of styrofoam woven into his fur. And a unicorn horn. He's so adorable. And some kind of like lizard tail. Yeah. <laughs> but he was cute. Of course. It was a really cute dog. And then he died. I was so sad when they killed the foo-foo dog. No. So this And like episode... everyone in the episode holds it at some point. <laughs> and you can tell like for like no reason. They're just like, I just want to hold the dog. Like. Yeah. Let me have a scene with the animal. And that dog has been dead for 40 years. Aww. Well, uh, yeah, they killed it in the transporter. So uh, this episode, uh, again, the plot is sort of irrelevant, but uh, they're at a planet. Shit happens. They be, you know, Kirk being back up. Turns out there's two Kirks. We don't know what's happening, right? So the episode kind of gets set up as this. Uh, let's figure out, are they going to find the second Kirk? You know, is it going to be this big mystery chase episode? And then like 20 minutes and they find him. And then it's this Yeah, whole tur- and they kind of figure out that it's a doppelganger like right. really quickly because of the... Now my question is, so Kirk goes through this doppelganger. The dog goes through this doppelganger. But somebody else, the guy who hurts his hand at the beginning goes through the transporter and he's not duplicated. Well, if you remember there's a there's a throwaway line in the episode where he says something about all this the the the, the first guy that we beamed up from the planet had this yellow yeah. stuff on him and that was the that was what they were theorizing caused the actual transporter malfunction. So he came up okay, and then once that materialized, okay. it caused the transporter to malfunction. It doesn't really uh, yeah, matter. Yeah, I'm finding out there's a lot of stuff in the episodes that's completely irrelevant, like the reason this happens. Anytime there's something with, we've got to get this done before X happens, like, 
I, I never know what that – in the previous episode, there's some time limit before they have to leave and I don't know what that was. They have only a certain time to get them off the planet and I don't really know why, but obviously it doesn't matter. You know, it's just kind of too – here's a reason this has to be – you know, this is a more complex plot than – you know, it's just kind of the reason they can't do the obvious solution. Right, right. But the obvious solution that I do wonder about – so the teleporters malfunction through this episode. So they can't use it or, you know, they don't have a backup plan in like a shuttle. Good question. Because every single other sci-fi series has a shuttle. Now, partially that's to differentiate themselves from Star Trek and Star Trek and the Transporter are so linked. But start, they, they didn't put one just in case. Like you would think that they would have a need for uh, that. <laughs> uh, well, uh, they have shuttles later. Okay. And uh, the, the, the real answer uh, is that they didn't build it. Yeah. Again, so they didn't have one. They did it just to – and I figured that's just – a shuttle doesn't exist because if they had one, the episode would be 10 minutes long. Exactly. It's one of those things. Yeah. And, and, and they do – well, not even because, of course, if they could have a shuttle even in the episode, let's say they had built one and they wrote this episode, they could say, oh, well, we can't fly down there because there's something in the atmosphere yeah. that's causing our shuttle to malfunction or whatever. Because so, of reasons. Right. You, the, if there's one thing that Star Trek is consistently good at, it's making – uh, the plot fit the circumstances. Yeah. So uh, anyway, at the end, at the sort of the, the the midpoint of the episode. So this whole episode is set up, and you're thinking this is going to be like a, a chase episode. They have to find the guy, right? Then it turns out that you know, not even halfway through, they find him, and then it turns into this very contemplative episode about what it means to be a man, and 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 what makes us human, and what makes us good, and what makes us evil, and you know, they're talking about it. You know, yeah. you start seeing because when Kirk comes up the first time, and it's the it's the quote unquote good Kirk, yeah, um, and you don't know that at first because he just seems like Kirk, right? And the evil Kirk comes up, quote unquote. And this is William Shatner at his scene-chewing best. He's given the opportunity to be hammy in two separate ways. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So it's just like to differentiate it, he's just like, you know, evil eyes. He's looking around like with this evil smile on his face and and sort of hunched over and, you know, running around. uh, Tries to rape Yeoman Rand. Is her her role in the series just to almost get raped every time? Because that's so far seemed in every episode. She's almost been raped. That's pretty much it, yeah. Poor girl. Which, you know... it really struck me as odd because there's this odd scene where uh, Spock and the quote-unquote good Kirk um, and, and I think McCoy are in Rand's quarters talking to her. And, and, and I don't – I even rewound it and I, I couldn't figure out what the um, what the idea behind this line was. But it really sounded like to me that she was saying that she wouldn't have reported the rape if he had actually raped her. Like, she would have just been like, I wasn't going to say anything. Yeah, I wasn't 100% about that. I mean... That seems really weird and dark. A, and I mean, that, says a, that it, says a lot about what rape was viewed as in the 60s, of course. But At the same time, remember, we did say that there is this atmosphere of, you know, mutual trust and respect in the... Uh, you know, between the end, you know, he gave her the helm at one point. They know each other very well at that point. Yeah. So she knows that him attacking her and she knows all the weird goings on on the ship. So she would, ass- I, I, I 
think she would have, you know, if one of your friends attacked you, you wouldn't automatically think, well, he's become horrible. You would think, what the fuck was wrong with him? Like, and yeah, but there's I, a, there, I think there's that a would difference be something between... she would prefer to figure out, like, there's a difference. No, 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 I don't, no, 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 I don't agree with that at all. There's a difference between attacking someone and raping someone. Of course. Because, like, he like he was going to rape her. Oh, no, if they do like, to... Captain you know. Kirk uh, was pretty rapey in that scene, and that was going to happen. Uh, I don't buy that at all. I don't know. Like, she, it'd be one thing if, if the evil Kirk went in and punched her, right? And she may not have said anything because she was trying to figure out what exactly was going on. But rape? Yeah, she, but when, she wouldn't have immediately contacted someone and said, hey, uh, Captain Kirk just, like, sexually assaulted me. I don't know. I think that she would. Uh, but apparently she I would wouldn't. Say, given the 60s, you know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I just, I, I'm surprised you don't find this as 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 as, as oddly disturbing and, and upsetting as I do. Like, but because like, all rapes go reported nowadays? I mean, a, I lo- know, but, a but, lot of them don't. But the whole thing that you're... I don't think, I know what I'm saying is, I'm not saying it's right that she wouldn't have reported it. I'm just saying her her reasons for not reporting the rape... Her respect for him and not w- not wishing to see his career ruined if it was the product of some kind of space virus like she dealt with the week previous or, you know. Well, even just like on that level then, I mean, wouldn't she want to report it just to be like, hey, Captain Kirk sexually assaulted me. Like, I respect him a lot. So something must be obviously wrong with him. Like take him to sick bay do you know what i mean like there was also the way that she was responding to his you know his assertions that well you know i know how we look at each other and you know because while he's about to rape her he's basically saying like you know we've wanted this for a while let's fucking do this you know yeah it's a very strange the, the whole, I, the and whole i wonder if that's very... her kind of acknowledging that you know that's not untrue, you know. Yeah, I if I had the opportunity to have sex with a handsome starship captain, I would. And you know, less than ideal circumstances, but I wonder if like that's part of what's going. I on think there. that's the I think that's the scene that most obviously reflects the sexual politics of the '60s and just like not questioning them at all. Yeah. At all. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, now that we've talked about rape for 15 minutes. Why do we talk about rape a lot on this show? I don't know. Because it's, I mean, it's a rapey show. I don't know. I mean, you know, and the, the, the rest of the episode, I think, aside from that, and it, it is, is quite good, right? So you have the two sides of Kirk who are uh, kind of doing things in, in, in different ways. And you have Spock taking, again, the role of what does this mean? What do we need to do about this? You know, what's interesting is that in this episode, he kind of steps back and he doesn't really allow... Uh, himself to to give advice to to uh, Kirk, yeah, the the good Kirk, because he's becoming more and more indecisive as time goes on. And there's this whole idea that uh, you know a, a, a strong leader needs that dark side of them yeah. to make decisions and and to gain respect and all these things. Yeah, and so and Spock kind Kirk of just this, steps yeah. back and doesn't really make any decisions for yeah. him. Evil Kirk is this kind of paranoid figure of fear. Evil Kirk is pretty much id. And without a sense of... And good Kirk seems to have no... While it has the intellect and the reason, has no sense of self-preservation or preservation for others. So, yeah, the... the, Or the ability to make decisions. Yeah, it's clear that, you know, one's intellect and one's reason give one, you know... Because I think Wherewithal to be calm in 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 a scary situation. But the fear and the aggression are the ones that 
give you give you the strength to fight for yourself and for others. And, yeah, yeah, and I and I think there's the idea as well that you know the ability to make decisions to make really difficult decisions is predicated yeah. in part on recognizing what the least bad option is. And so if you don't have that part of you that can't do that, you know, even to the degree where you just kind of have to let people die sometimes, yeah. you know, you, you're not going to be able to, to, to be a starship captain because you're just not going to be able to make those tough choices. And there was a point where, you know, Spock and McCoy are arguing about now the, it, it was something like the, the, they they think that sending both of them through the transporter at the same time will kind of cause them to merge together. Uh, kind of the opposite of what, you know, created it in the first place. So to do that, they send the foo-foo dog, cause, which is split into, you know, a cute, sweet dog and, like, evil. <laughs> and Hank. <laughs> um, oh, Hank. Oh, Hank. Um, so they send it through and it dies. So, uh, you know, Spock is basically saying, you know, look, logically, you know, it's a dog. It has no idea what the fuck's going on. You know, it's gonna, it just died of, of fright. Of shock, basically, yeah. yeah. And, you know, this, you know, will McCoy fix the transporter? You know, this is gonna be fine. This makes sense. You know, we need to get this done quickly because of reasons, you know, go through it. And then McCoy is the one who's saying, look, you know, whether we, I need to autopsy this thing to make sure it died of fright because if it died because of the transporter, then you're gonna die immediately, you know? And either way, the men on the ground are dead, so... Do the option that might not kill you. Don't do the option that, you know, may or may not, which is a very utilitarian uh, view of things, which I thought was interesting. That seems the mo- I mean, both are decisive actions, but decisive in very different ways. And, you know, from what I know, it's, you know, that's how the, their dynamic work. You know, Spock says one thing, McCoy says the other, and Kirk has to kind of find the... Uh, 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 negotiate the path that takes both into because really the three of them are an externalization of you know they're they're the three of them form one character in some way absolutely yeah Yeah. i mean that's the whole idea of the of the the show right is that spock is the one who's always making the 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 logical quote-unquote decision uh mccoy is the one who wants to preserve life and the status quo even above all else yeah and Kirk is the person in charge in the middle, in a way, the father figure of the show, who needs to listen to both sides of himself, really, and synthesize that and come up with some kind mm-hmm. of solution that makes sense and is is the right decision. Which, of course, due to his lack of leadership at this point of the show, he's unable to do. And there's this one really great scene where, you know, Spock says, okay, we've got to do this. Yeah, you're right. That's what we've got to do. And then McCoy's like, no, we've got to wait for the autopsy. And he's all, yeah, that makes sense. Like, they're both going back and forth, and he's just kind of agreeing with whoever spoke last. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I thought that was interesting. You know, that was... It's it's very well played because I think you know Shatner does have a reputation for of course scene chewing and 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 just all this crazy stuff and he does a lot of that. Uh, They're not none of them are bad actors, and he's entertaining to watch when he's scene chewing, no matter what. And when he's being, you know, when he is quieter, he does a good job. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, he's he's definitely an actor that is is probably tends toward the large scene chewing side, but can dial it back and and can i mean he's he's not a shakespearean actor you know he's never going to be uh you know robert de niro or something but um uh you know i'm trying to think of other actors that are really really good at playing you know quiet characters yeah uh you know he's not going to be a a a, 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 um 
Uh, anyway, yeah. so he, but, but he definitely yeah. is there. He, you can never say that Shatner never acted the shit out of everything he did, because he he's acting the he's acted the shit out of every episode. He is just giving it his entire performance, and that's I think that's why I like watching him doing anything because he's he's having a good time doing it. He's really just going for it. He is not holding back. He is not ashamed of how he's acting, you know, when he's acting, and he never gives less than what he can do. Yeah, yeah. And that that in itself, you know, as as a, someone who's into punk rock, I, expe- I there is a very punkness to his style. Yeah, no, totally. And I mean, and I think also it, it, it's just fun for him to play two sides of the same character. You could tell he enjoyed doing this episode. Yeah, especially early on, right? Yeah. Where he's still kind of trying to form the character and figure out you know, who this character is. You get the opportunity to go, okay, well, I'm still trying to figure out this character yeah. and who he is and what he stands for. And here I have the opportunity, a really great opportunity, yeah. to split the character into the opposite two poles. Yeah. And that'll really tell me who Captain Kirk is. Yeah, the episode very explicitly lists out his qualities and gives him space. Okay, this you play these three qualities and this you play these three qualities and then in the rest he figures out how to synthesize them. Yeah. And I also think this this episode in particular has a little bit of fun um, with the sort of more farcical natures of the fact that there's two Captain Kirks running around because Yeoman Rand scratches the evil Captain Kirk's face at one point and he's covering it up with makeup. Which is apparently implied to be in his own cabin. No, way. I think he was still supposed to be in Rand's cabin. No, because it said um, he puts on this makeup and then uh, he attacks. Uh, is it Sulu? No, not Sulu. Um, who does he attack and steal his gun? Oh, uh, transporter technician. Yes, the the black dude that's working for Scotty. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I say that as an example of you know more diversity on the show. Um, Absolutely, yeah. But when when he, they're talking, they say. Um, you know, somebody who looked like Kirk, you know, he saw Kirk right outside of his cabin, meaning Kirk's cabin. So the implication was that he has this makeup. Oh, yeah, you're right. That's, that's that he's hiding out in Kirk's, the imposter's hiding out in Kirk's cabin and takes this makeup and uses it. I liked that. Yeah, you know, it's the 23rd century. Oh, yeah. Men are wearing makeup now. I liked all of the close-ups that are on this, in the show in general, but on this episode. Like, they, they give it very, it makes it very intense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and the they, best was Shatner screaming, I want to live! <laughs> I loved that. I, I stood up and cheered at that point. It brought a tear to my eye when evil Shatner wanted to live. And you get to, he, he gets to uh, break out his lounge tunic again, which is always fun to see. His sort of like green belted thing that, you know, because why not? I, I, I really wish I could watch the show just one episode with, you know, contemporary eyes because to us it looks cheesy, but I don't know like how they view, like it looked cool and futuristic. Like I don't know. Oh, absolutely, it, yeah. It would be really interesting to just be able to see that as completely cool and futuristic and not like retro camp. Yeah, because I love the costuming on the show, but for very different reasons than the show intends me to. Yeah, well, I mean, there's that whole idea, right, that in the future no one has pockets. I mean. One of the things that Star Trek has never done really well is clothes. Yeah. And so, especially civilian clothes. And so you've got these sort of like uniforms that look like pajamas, people walking around in overalls. And, I mean, know, everything everyone's wearing looks real. Oh, the, in, the, 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 in the Naked Time, it says at the beginning they're in quarantine suits that look like they've been made out of a quilt. They were made out of shower curtains. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> it has like this like pattern that like looks very grandma. 
And also, I, not for nothing, but, uh, you know, perhaps Kirk needs to, to, to do a review of his training exercises because, you know, quarantine and all that kind of stuff, like hazardous materials training, doesn't seem to be great on the Enterprise because uh, Spock explicitly says, you know, hey, let's not uh, expose ourselves to anything down here. And the guy, like, takes off his gloves, scratching his face. You know, it's like... Well, even when uh, the guy with... Yeah, the, when the guy with the oar comes, he's like, contaminate that outfit that's open at the neck and has a wide V-neck. Yeah. Like, it's like, I don't contaminate every fucking thing you're wearing and yourself, too. Take a very long bath. Like, <laughs> We're just going to shoot you. <laughs> We're just done with you. We're just yeah. going to shoot you and uh, launch into space. Look, we only hired you for one day. You know, you're you're no, you're not even a guild member. You know, you just have this one day. We don't. Your character doesn't get anything. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we run that one into the ground. Anything else you want to say about the enemy within? I will check my. Actually, I have a question about Naked Time. Okay, sure. We can. Why go back is the show called Naked Time? I don't know. Because it doesn't make any sense. Oh, you know, I don't know, but this is my theory. This is my sort of feeling about that, is that uh, it's about naked emotion. Okay, well... And so it's the naked time. It's 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 when people are emotionally the most vulnerable. When are people vulnerable when they're naked? See, so. in, in my initial, when I was thinking that the end of the episode would be them saying, well, you know, the... You know, I, I, and and that I figured there could be a line about you know then and in this time when we have our naked emotion, you know, or whatever, you know, and they don't. They, that's not. I I don't want to build up that sort of like capping thing. Is that it's going to happen in every episode? Uh, even, I thought it did, and or I even that it happens in a majority of episodes. Like it's not something that you know they do every single time. So don't expect that. Oh, but I did expect it. It's a little too late now. Well, I'm sorry. You have to re readjust your expectations, then, don't you? When I saw Yeoman Rand go into her cabin and you know she's slowly starting to get you know finish her day you know and you know i i have expected her to just pull her hair off as like a cap <laughs> <laughs> like she just takes a wig off and i like that braid just because does she really get up in the morning and do that every day because don't you I... think she has better things to do with her life well it is the 23rd century she may have a beehive hairdo machine <laughs> that takes like five seconds and then she's ready for duty Okay, yeah. but th- that is that that is a possibility. I'm going to go with that. You can't disprove it. I can't prove it either. Um, so, uh, so what's your rating for this episode? I would Richard? give this six tribbles. I'm going to give it six as well. Really? Yeah, we're in agreement on this one. Okay, it's not one of the best episodes, but it's, it's it, it, pretty it, good. I enjoyed it. I liked the foo foo dog. It would have gotten five without the foo foo dog. Yeah, the foo foo dog is good. Unfortunately, you never see the foo foo dog again. I know, but. Say la vie, right? I just wish every episode had like an animal on it. Yeah, I know. That'd be great. And maybe I just want to watch an animal show. Okay. We could watch Lassie. I was watching this great show about like polar bears the other day. They're so cute. But why aren't they friends? They're evil. They are not at all friends. They're no. extremely they, evil. All bears are like terrifying, but they're really cute. Even koala bears. Yeah. They're mean too. And they're not even bears. They're not even bears. Not even bears. Well, speaking of bears, yeah, not really. Next week, oh, I thought you were going to talk about Bear City the movie. <laughs> we could talk about Bear City the movie. <laughs> All right, so this guy, he's like a twink, right? But he decides to join the bear scene, and oh my god! Uh, if you have any interest in uh, bad uh, homosexual movies, uh, <laughs> and you have a Netflix account, uh, go right ahead and, and watch Bear City. Uh, I don't know if you're going to get through it, but. Hey, it's if we got shot. through Longhorns, you can get through Bear City. Yeah, last night we watched Bear City, Longhorns, and part of another gay movie. 
And I feel like there was another one we attempted. Apparently that's what we do now when we hang out together. We just watch uh, bad uh, gay movies on Netflix. And talk about Star Trek. Eventually we're going to run out of bad gay movies to watch on Netflix, and I will be extremely pleased. Yeah, but maybe they'll put another batch up. I really hope they don't. So next week, we are going to discuss Mud's Women and what are little girls made of. I don't like these episodes. They sound a little unseemly. They're both good episodes. You'll like them. I will. Yeah. But I don't like women. That's not anything that I can help you with. I'm sorry. Yeah. I really Listen, if there are any women listening to this. Fuck I, you. I Go and make me a sandwich. I do not agree with anything that my co-host is saying right now. I love and respect all women. And I hold you in the highest esteem. God made Adam and Steve, not Adam and Eve. That doesn't even make any sense about what you're talking about. Now you're just going off on some sort of weird, like, homophobic rant. Yeah, I don't like gay people either. (laughs) You just don't like people. Not really. I just kind of want to stay in my room and, like, hang out with Rabbit. Except for Kirk, who you think is dreamy. I don't think he's, like, super dreamy. I just think he's a little dreamy. All right. Look, I'm a very lonely man, okay? I want my own starship captain to take me away. All right. Well, uh, you know, if you have any uh, comments about the show, it'd be great. I'd love to hear them, I guess. Just uh, send me a tweet. Eric Brazier. B-R-A-S-U-R-E. And that's it. I don't know, Richard. Do you want to tell them what your Twitter is in case they want to Twitter at you? I don't feel like I use that Twitter anymore, ever. You kind of do. Yeah, but like, it's not like my Twitter home. Like, I'll, I'll tell them my Twitter home when I really like figure my stuff out. I have like a journey. I need, I need, I've done too many stims and I need to go on walkabout. Well, like we said last week, don't contact Richard. Yeah. Just don't do it. Contact me. What would be the point? Do you really want to talk to me? Come on. No, I don't even want to talk to you. Look, him. if you write me an email, I will write you an email back and you don't want this. You do not. All right. Well, this has been fun. We'll see you next week for uh, Mud's Women and What Little Girls Are Made Of. Goodbye.